What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Interim Ole Miss AD Keith Carter makes his grand return in this edition of Talk of Champions. Coming up in about 20 minutes for you, so if you want to fast forward, go for it. He joins us on the Modern Woodman phone line. Before we get to Keith and also Bennett Hip, who's in the guest co-host chair, got to tell you about my bookie, one of the many proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with my bookie if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season, the college football season, is the best time of the year. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And now, it's Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter and the guest co-host chair. He's back. It's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip and today's guest. Keith Carter, what happened to those party decks? Also, the improved game day atmosphere when Ole Miss beat Arkansas. What to expect against Selah with Bennett right now. Hey, buddy, what's up? Not much, man. How are you? I'm good. Matt Luke said at his Monday press conference that Selah presents unique challenges. Is that one, coach speak, just given proper credit to the opposing team? Or two, do they truly present unique challenges for Ole Miss? Uh, I think it's very much the former. I think that's just kind of a boilerplate. This is what you say when you play a G5 non-conference team. But I do think it's an important game for Ole Miss. I think you're trying to 
continue some development with Matt Corral. You're potentially trying to get a big enough lead to work in some of the other quarterbacks. And it's not like they don't have things to work on and, and perfect and tinker. So it's not the opponent that I think um, presents some challenges, but I think Ole Miss on its own will, will be trying to test itself and, and improve itself during the game. I didn't talk to you after Arkansas. What are your thoughts after that game? I was pretty impressed. Um, I, I know that's not a very good Arkansas team by any means. I don't know that they're going to win a conference game this year, and but uh, it seems like they may have found something switching quarterbacks. Ben Hicks is just not close to an SEC quality quarterback. But uh, like I kind of said on Twitter, I, I think at some point toward the end of the game, just purely from a proof of concept kind of deal, this was a, a big, big game for Matt Luke. Uh, I think we've all – for a long time now, and, and I know this is year two as a full-time head coach, year three if you count the interim year, and I'm not sure we still, prior to Saturday, had seen kind of a full concept layout of what his team identity w- was going to be or would look like in actuality. We've heard him talk about it, but in terms of execution, I don't know that we had actually seen it, and I think Saturday was very much what Matt Luke wants his team to look like that that defense is very good they swarm the ball they're pretty aggressive on offense they're a spread team but they run a lot of power they I mean they, they run the football out of a, out of spread formations they do a lot of stuff misdirection window dressing and then they're pretty explosive down the field um, to, to make everything work so I thought it was big for him just to get that game on paper and for him finally to have a game to say hey this is what it looks like. This is what I want it to be. This is what I've been building toward. And now that I have my coaches, this is what we've been working toward. So I thought it was really important for him more so than anything else. Got interim Ole Miss AD Keith Carter coming up in about 15 minutes. But before we really get going here on Talk of Champions, let me tell you real quick, 40 seconds, I promise, and I'm out, about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, one of the many proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, it's the perfect car for me, but also 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. 20% off right now. Select Ram trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. All right, Bennett, you brought up the change in offense. We always knew that Matt Luke wanted to go to a more run-heavy oriented version of the spread, and that's exactly what you've got. And it really bared fruit, like you mentioned, Saturday against Arkansas. I've been very critical on this podcast, especially lately, about a number of different things in regards to Ole Miss football. But I think one of the overarching positives is for what Ole Miss needs to be, for how it can stay relatively competitive against any team it plays, being an efficient running team. And they weren't overly efficient on Saturday, but being a team that you know their identity and this is what they're going to be recruiting to that identity, having that stable of running backs and not putting too much on Matt Corral, it's a welcome change. And I think it's a change that long-term, if Matt Luke works at Ole Miss – that's how it'll work. Yeah, I think you're seeing the beginnings of a pretty deep backfield and, and getting those guys on the field in multiple ways. It's not just that they're stacking running back talent and 
they're giving Scotty Phillips the ball 25 times a game. No, they're, I mean, they're giving him carries. They're giving Snoop Connor carries. They're giving Jaron Ely carries. They're getting those guys involved in the passing game. They're doing a whole lot of stuff that's not going to work against everyone. But I think this formula of I said this probably last year at some point, I think you and I may have talked about it, but we talked about like a hypothetical. What would a Matt Luke team look like? And if you look around the league and try to make a comparison to a team, I said Kentucky, they run that spread. They run a lot of power. They're very good defensively. And I think Saturday night, you saw that it's not a carbon copy, it's not a mirror image, but there's a lot of similarities between those two teams and two programs. And I think if you look at what Kentucky's built the last three, four, five years under Mark Stoops, I think that's a very good starting point for what Ole Miss wants to be and can be. And what Ole Miss has done by beating Arkansas, because I don't want to put too much on that, and we talked enough about that on Tuesday, but what it has done is given itself an opportunity. You're going to be 2-1 and one after this weekend. Cal is going to be similar as far as the strength of opponent as Memphis was. So that'll be a good test for them. But if you get out of that three and one, you can maybe start to look ahead and think about games to steal. It's going to be a tough path to six wins regardless. But by taking care of business against a bad Arkansas team, if you expect to be better than them, if you expect to not be a cellar dweller in not only the SEC, but the SEC West specifically, you have to beat that team and you have to beat it convincingly. And that's what Ole Miss did. So you've given yourself an opportunity, and after two games, that's really all you could truly ask for. I think the biggest optimist out there would have expected or hoped for 2-0. and But with all of the turnover, you knew there was going to be at least one game where all of the turnover and all of the newness, it didn't quite click. In Memphis, it didn't quite click. So is Ole Miss closer to Memphis in the way it performed at Memphis, or is it closer to how it performed at Arkansas? It's a good question. I think offensively, they're starting to trend toward being more like they looked against Arkansas. I think we'll have to obviously see how the season goes, but I do think there's a pretty decent chance that end of the year, we look back on that Memphis game and just completely toss it out from an offensive side of the ball standpoint. I think if you look at what how much the offense progressed, not just in, in results, but just in comfortability and formations and just they look more comfortable and confident in their plan. I think that's probably where we're going to see them kind of trend toward. And, and so I think that Memphis game very much could be an outlier. So I would lean toward Arkansas, but obviously the sample size is so small and the results are so drastically different that it's kind of hard to, to pick one or the other. Are there any alarm bells sounding off for you about any side of the ball particularly right now? Got to stay healthy at linebacker now for sure. That was always going to be a thing. And now that you're down down Sunogo, I mean, you can't afford another injury to anybody else. And then offensively, uh, Elijah Moore is really great. I need someone else to step up catching the football. I thought Dontario Drummond looked pretty good early. So I think maybe that could be a guy. And then it's just development for Matt Corral, seeing more of the field, using more of the field. Can't have the the mistake like he did on the on the turnover. So I think that's kind of where I'm at, just health on defense. And then we always knew this was going to be an issue graduating DK and AJ and Demarcus Lodge and Floyd Allen and those guys. But got to have at least one more receiver step up, if not two. And uh, I think that'll be a big goal Saturday, trying to find some guys some reps and seeing what they can do. I'm still in wait-and-see mode with Matt Corral. I don't know if I believe he can be a long-term solution at quarterback yet. It's hard to tell either way. I think if you right. if, if you just sat someone down and, and showed them the Memphis film, they'd be like, well, this guy, this isn't going to work. 
I think if you sat that same person down and showed them the Arkansas film, I think they they would say it wasn't perfect, but you can see it. Like there, there's talent there. There's a path to him being a very solid starter uh, for Ole Miss down the road. So it's just I definitely want to see more. Um, but also, I think we do have to factor in not throwing to an experienced receiving core. Offensive line was much better, but they're thin. There's a whole lot of factors that go into this. I thought Saturday was very encouraging for him, but still a lot of what long ways to go, not going to sit on his laurels by any means. Right. And I say that because I'm not going to pass a judgment on Matt Corral right now, but it's really tempting for me to pass a judgment on these wide receivers. And it's no fault of a Jacob Peeler, for example, who I think is one of the best wide receivers coaches in the country. I do. But you're not seeing separation outside of Elijah Moore. When Matt Corral drops back and he's looking at options, only Elijah Moore's getting room, and that's a problem right now. Right, and I think it's not that they don't have talent there, and I I wonder how much of it is these guys are just new to college football. How much is it the switch into a new offense and trying to learn that and and trying to balance learning what you know with executing on the field and, and just playing instead of thinking too much. So there's a lot I want to continue to see there. That's probably... If you're going to pay attention to that game Saturday, and, and which we don't think it's going to be very close, I think it's absolutely the wide receivers are the position group you're going to want to pay attention to because obviously I think we'll see Elijah Moore have a big day, but if no one else really steps up and it's just the Elijah Moore show again on Saturday, that's great for him. But as Ole Miss progresses into tougher opponents and they start to take away other things, you really are going to have to have someone else step up. You can't just have one guy even as good as Elijah Moore is, can't just be a one-man show. So I'm right there with you. They've got a – I don't know what it is. I don't break down film or anything, but it's hard to really count on anyone outside of him right now. Two-game MVPs after two games. Who has stood out? The one guy who's jumped off the film is Sam Williams. And I have a story about Sam Williams. I was talking to a competing junior college head coach mm-hmm. during the recruitment process, and he was – pretty upset that Ole Miss wasn't recruiting a number of his guys and that they had taken Sam Williams. He didn't believe in Sam Williams. He said straight up, this kid, he's not any good. He's not going to come in and make an impact. But as much as I respect that Juco head coach and think he's one of the best in the business, Sam Williams has been great, absolutely great through two games, everything Ole Miss could possibly want. And he's wearing 13, which looks really cool for an outside linebacker. I haven't seen an Ole Miss outside linebacker wear 13 since uh, I don't know when. I guess Jamarca, but he was a safety. He played more like a linebacker. But still, Sam Williams, for me, through two games, has been the most important player, the most valuable player for Ole Miss. It's really hard to argue, I think, especially if you're grading on a curve and you kind of say, hey, well, the defense had a longer ways to go. Uh, Impact player there is more important than an impact player on offense. I think it's really hard to argue. I think he's been really good. We always knew he was, he was athletic, but it's always, like we said with those Juco guys, sometimes the transition's very short. Sometimes it's six games. Sometimes it's a full year. Ole Miss couldn't afford for those guys' transition to be long, and, and to their credit, Sam Williams has come in, and he's been really, really good. Good tackler, rushing the passer, just doing a whole lot of things, creating havoc, and that's what Ole Miss has got to get back to. And he's very much uh, looks like a guy that – they definitely hit on and can be a quality player here during his time in Oxford. That's the deal. Lakia Henry's been good, but he's been up and down. Sam, which Williams is what you expect. Been, I mean, exactly. it, that's the typical right. deal. You see flashes, and one game he'll look like an All SEC guy. The next game, 
he'll look like that he's back in Juco for whatever reason. Um, and so if this can continue, obviously it's only been two games, but if this can continue and Sam Williams becomes a consistent week to week performer, I think that's a massive uh, success story for Ole Miss and, and one that they had to have happen and would be a really big development for them. So I think you're, I think you're spot on there that if, if he can keep this up from a consistency standpoint, uh, that's a, a really just massive deal for Ole Miss as they go forward and, and try to try to fix things on this defensive side of the ball. And as good as they look the, the first two weeks, he's a big reason why. Elijah Moore is the MVP offensively. It's not even close. And it's interesting in regards to Elijah. He was committed to Georgia for so long, and then Georgia backs off of him nearing National Signing Day. Ole Miss was all over Elijah the whole time, signs him. Think about where this offense would be, having lost A.J., having lost D.K., Demarcus Lodge, if Elijah Moore wasn't there to anchor things. I don't know who the consistent threat would be. I don't think they'd have one. They wouldn't. It would not be pretty. You, you probably would have gone out and gotten another Juco last year. Um, in addition to Dontario Drummond. And I think if you would ask Georgia right now, you look at their receiving core, uh, they could certainly use him. And I think they probably regret passing on him as well. So it uh, it worked out well for Ole Miss, hadn't worked out well for Georgia. And those are the kind of breaks you have to get if you're Ole Miss and you're trying to rebuild this thing. Um, So credit to them for kind of hanging around and hanging around and got lucky there that Georgia went ahead and made the move and they hopped right in and got him. And I mean, he's going to be the guy. And for, like you said, the rest of this receiving core, there's plenty of talent there, whether it's a Mingo or a Drummond or guys like that. But if they didn't have Elijah Moore, this thing would be real ugly. Before we get to Keith Carter, let's real quickly put out some overreactions after two weeks. Give me your number one overreaction. Mm. I don't know that I really have one that really jumps out. The one just more of a let's pump the brakes a little bit is on just the defense as a whole, that this is suddenly totally fixed. And this is a top 40 defense, top 35 defense, top 50 defense, whatever. They've been great and they've been aggressive. They've been getting pressure on the ball. They've been doing a lot of things that hadn't been done at Ole Miss in a few years. Mike McIntyre clearly knows what he's doing, but it is Memphis and it is Arkansas. And I think I just want to see um, that's the, probably one of the worst offensive teams in the SEC and a Memphis team that has a reputation as a very big kind of offense and Mike Norvell's a good offensive mind. But I don't think he particularly called a good game against Ole Miss. I wasn't super impressed with their offense, just their personnel in general. So I, I just want to see more on the defense before I, I kind of say this thing is completely turned around and this is suddenly. Ole Miss can bank on a top half of FBS defense for the rest of the year. So that's really the only one that really jumps out to me. Ole Miss football is back at home, and that means great food, friends, and fun in the Grove. Let the experts at Grove Sharks tailgating take care of all your needs before the party begins and the Rebels kick off at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Grove Sharks still has a few packages left for the weekend or the remainder of the season. They can provide tents, chairs, coolers, and TV accommodations, among many different items. Visit them at GroveSharks.com, that's GroveSharks.com, or like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks Tailgating. You can also reach Grove Sharks owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. That's Eric Trimble, 662-816-3493. Okay, so Nick Suss brought up a really good stat on Tuesday's edition of Talk of Champions. Last year, Ole Miss gave up 17 big plays per game. Through two games so far, they've given up 16 big plays per game. That's a red flag. But the energy, the effectiveness of tackling, swarming the ball, gang tackling, it's all there. There aren't the huge busts. Now, 
those plays are still happening, but they're happening at a less egregious rate as far as you're not seeing guys run wide open. So that's an encouraging sign. But you're right about Memphis. What was interesting to me is Mike Norvell is similar to Cliff Kingsbury in how he runs offense. And in his first game as the Arizona Cardinals head coach, Cliff Kingsbury ran 13 personnel. That's one running back and three wide receivers on 73% of snaps. In the NFL, no team had run more than, I think, 52% of 13 personnel in a game. And Mike Norvell, you're used to seeing that. Three wide, quarterback, running back, throwing it everywhere. And yet they were more compact. And that's why I don't think that game was truly a great barometer for what this defense could be. And Arkansas wasn't either. Now, Alabama isn't going to be that test. You're going to lose to Alabama. And I don't know if Cal's going to be that test. So what is the first true test then for Ole Miss defensively? That's a very good point in that I think if you're going to do what Memphis did and they just ran the football and they ran it well, but I also think a lot of it comes back to the Ole Miss offense. You look at the Memphis game, Ole Miss couldn't sustain a drive. So even though that defense was better, Ole Miss's defense was on the field so much that it didn't matter. I think you look at the Arkansas game, a lot of points, sustaining some drives, and Ole Miss's defense was able to rest and not have to be out on the field so much. So they have Selah, they have Cal, they have Bama. I don't know that Vanderbilt's going to be that test. Probably at Missouri would probably be that first test. I, I think that's a very good, well-coached offensive football team with Barry Odom. Kelly Bryant's not a fantastic quarterback, but he's pretty good veteran knows what he's doing so that might be the first real test on the road that's kind of where i'd lean if, if it's not that week it's almost certainly the next week when texas a&m comes to town um jimbo very good offensive coach kellen mond is not perfect but big arm they've got athletes everywhere so one of those two weeks in october i think that's kind of when you'll get your first real test of Ole Miss's defense and, and how much they progressed they had nowhere else to go but up after last year and the year before that and maybe the year before that. With sure. this defense, you just wanted to see encouraging signs and nothing but encouraging signs through the first two weeks. But there are going to be some bumps along the road. Don't carry this huge expectation for what Ole Miss is going to be defensively yet. We are going to see games where Keydron Smith gets burned. He got burned and picked on a little bit against Arkansas, and I think he's going to be an all-league caliber player before he leaves Ole Miss. And Sam Williams, he's not going to be this disrupting force for all 11 games. Neither is a Lakia Henry. He's already had a little bit of an up-and-down nature to his game, and that's to be expected from Juco. So there are going to be some bumps along the road. Keep your expectations low. If this defense can jump from 120 in pretty much every statistical category last year to the 80s, 70s, heck, 60s. That is a massive improvement. And I think you want to see, obviously, you had that stat from Nick, and it's a good one. I think now you're looking at last year, so many of those busts were just not lining up right or just having no clue what they're doing. This year, I think you're going to see some more of those busts, but they're going to be talent issues. And Ole Miss is improving the talent level on this defense. They've improved it on all three levels, but it's not where it needs to be. So I think you're still going to see some of those big plays, but I think you can kind of excuse it as, well, that's a, just a dude making a play and, and has a couple of steps on our guy and whatever, as opposed to it's completely a misassignment in the back end, guy gets loose down the field, and they hit a big play. So I think it's more about when you see those big plays now, they need to stay as just talent issues and not get back to misreads, misassignments, stuff like that. So that's kind of where I'm looking at as well. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip in the guest co-host chair. Going down to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Keith Carter. Talk about those party decks. The improved game day atmosphere. And so much more from Sean Robinson to if he has the power, should he need to, to hire fire coaches. 
Keith joins us on the Modern Woodman phone line. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local Modern Woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does Modern Woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org. www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is interim Ole Miss AD Keith Carter. Back again on Talk of Champions. Hey, bud, how you doing? I'm good, Dan. How are you? I'm good. This weekend, Ole Miss picked up a win over Arkansas, and across the interwebs, I see universal praise for the updated game day atmosphere. What went into that for you guys? Well, first of all, no credit to me. Uh, it, it's Michael Thompson and, and Jason List, Paris Buchanan, Stuart Perani. A lot, a lot of those guys um, worked all summer on it. You know, they worked all 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 summer. You know, from last year, trying to to figure out ways to, to improve game day and, and make it more. Uh, more entertaining for, for folks, and I, I think they hit a home run. I really do. You know, some of the things pregame, obviously, were, were great in-game. Uh, just some of the small touches, like showing other live games during timeouts. I mean, those those are long timeouts, so why not why not show some other games and, and get people interested in those? But um, I've received a ton of compliments as well since Saturday night, and, um, you know, just, just really proud of our of our team for uh, for working hard at it, listening to, to fan feedback from surveys and different things and, and things that would intrigue people and interest people. Uh, and then, you know, being able to, to implement that on, on a game day was, was really phenomenal. So, uh, but I know if you ask them, they, they're going to continue to tweak and improve. And uh, we want to make sure that every game day just gets better and better. But uh, I thought it was a, a great night in, in Vaughn on Saturday night. And then obviously the, uh, the win was just what the doctor ordered as well. You brought it up. What goes all into updating game day? I know you all do the surveys and you gauge the interest in the comments from Ole Miss fans out there, but what is that process like when you're trying to improve an atmosphere like you did in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium? Well, you know, I think that, that you're always, again, you're, you're listening to feedback, you're, you're looking at other venues that, that do good things and, and trying to figure out if those are some things we can incorporate in, in our game day as well. But, you know, I think for us, Ben, it, it's been a little bit unique because some of the things that used to be incorporated in game day just aren't there anymore. We've gone away from some of those things. So trying to find you know, new things to fill those voids and, and let them grow organically. Sometimes it's, it's a little bit of trial and error. You know, you've got to throw some things out there and see what people like, see what they don't like. And, you know, obviously last year we had the, the first spin, you know, that, that led the band to the, to the field and didn't get a lot of positive feedback from that. So we took it away, you know? And so to me, it's one of those things where if you're, if you're not maybe swinging and missing, sometimes you're probably not trying hard enough. So uh, but I, I think that our guys, you know, they did a tremendous job, again, really working all summer. I mean, the light show, you know, coordinated with the music and, and, and all of that was just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, just things that, that they thought about and worked on, you know, as we as we fled up to the season. So, um, you know, people that are a lot more creative than me have spent a lot of time working on that. But, 
I think it was a huge first step uh, in the right direction. It was really, really fun. I thought the atmosphere was great. And, and what's interesting is, you know, with only around 48,000 people in the building, the atmosphere still felt electric. And it felt like, you know, it was, it was you know, one of the best, uh, the best game days we've had in a long, long time. So as we continue to grow and continue to build, build the program back and the attendance continues to come back, uh, I can only imagine once we get a, a packed house involved anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Before I ask this question, I have to address the elephant in the room. I have a tendency to have some fun on Twitter. Keith got a little pissed off at Ben on Saturday because I <laughs> tweeted out that picture of the crowd about 40 minutes before kickoff. It filled in. I gave him credit. Had a little fun. You didn't like that, but we settled that. It's fine. It's done. It's friends. It's what we do. As far as that crowd is concerned, only 48,000, but the turnout and getting fans back, do you think Saturday was a good first step? 100% I do. And, and, and just to, to put a little bow on, on, on that situation, you know, there, there was you and maybe a couple other guys that, you know, had tweeted out a little earlier, maybe that to, to, to try to, you know, uh, before the, the students got there. And, and I just asked you if you would tweet once they showed up, which you actually did, which was In very, so very nice. many words. That's what you asked, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are friends and, and almost family. So sometimes you can talk the way you want to, to family yes. and friends, right? Stalk I would it. not have it any other way. That's right. But, you know, I think, man, give a lot of credit to our students. They, they showed up in a big way. And, you know, when that when around kickoff and throughout the first half, um, man, they were electric. They were into the game. They were cheering on third down. Um, you know, exactly what you look for from a student section. And, uh, you know, uh, some left in the second half and, and a lot more stayed. You know, I think there was a lot more there at the end of the game than there, than there was last year. So uh, certainly a great starting point, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, credit to the students for being there, being loud, being into the game. And uh, let's just continue to grow it. And I think as they continue to uh, to show up and drive that atmosphere, um, we're, we're only going to get better and better on game day. I think Nick Saban addressed this recently with the media. Somebody asked him about the students living. He was pretty PO'd about it. He went on about how they need the students to stay the whole game. It's kind of hard for a student to stay there in the sun when you're beating Cupcake U by 50. But um, keeping the students engaged and all those kinds of things, what's the process as far as trying to get those guys to stay and, and continue to be involved in the game, even when it might be not quite what they want it to be? Yeah, well, and, and then obviously the other the other elephant in the room was the fact that we had to go away from the, the party decks. And, you know, obviously there was a, a much discussion about that last week on Twitter uh, and in social media. But, uh, you know, for us, we, we want to listen to students. Um, you know, we want them to know that we're sensitive to the heat. We're sensitive to, you know, other factors that, that maybe weren't there five or ten years ago. Um, you know, we want them to have their cell phones charged. We want them to be able to see other games, those type of things. So, you know, with the tents that we put uh, around the uh, the upper part of the student section, we were just trying to fulfill in a very temporary fashion, um, you know, what we had wanted to do with the party decks. And, and we'll revisit. We'll go back to the drawing board and, and try to figure out what, what makes the most sense for students there. But um, we, we do have to continue to engage them. Uh, we talked about, you know, maybe incentives in the third and fourth quarters if you're still there and, and those type of things. But, um, you know, it, it was very obvious that, you know, after halftime that there was a lot that left and probably went back to the Grove or to the Square. And we just got to we've got to reverse that trend. We've got to we've got to make those seven Saturdays at home uh, the the it thing to do. And, and if you're if you're there, you're going to the game, you're staying till the end. Um, but yeah, I get it. There's circumstances. And, and if, if I'm if I'm Alabama and, and I'm, I'm winning by you know, 55 to 10 and it's in the fourth quarter, you know, maybe, maybe they get a little, little, uh, little 
credit for, for, for they can leave at that point. But we just need them there. You know, that was a game Saturday night that it got a little weird there in the end. And, and maybe having those extra three or 4,000 students, uh, you know, having them there, if it gotten a little closer, could have been the difference. So I think as we continue to show them that we're listening, that we want them there to drive the atmosphere, uh, and then they can, they can you know, have a tangible effect on the game, um, then things will start to shift back. I got to ask you, what happened to the party decks, man? I, I heard that it was the fire inspection, didn't pass code. What all went into that? What happened? Well, and, and you know, uh, sometimes when you when you swing and miss, you got to own it a little bit, you know. And I think for us, we, we had a great intention to, to do these party decks, and I, I honestly think we'll revisit at some point. But uh, when, we, when we first uh, got the plans to do these, um, we, the structural engineer, everybody involved was on board with the plans, but once we implemented them, actually physically put them up in the stadium and got back and, and took a look at them, we just felt like there was a pretty big safety issue. And, you know, obviously the last thing we want, you know, is as after we, you know, uh, Scotty Phillips scores a touchdown and everybody kind of runs to the front of the platforms for them to collapse and, and, and be something catastrophic. So we made a decision late in the game that we did not want to put something up that we didn't feel comfortable with and, and I'll stand by that decision and again own that a little bit. But at the end of the day we wanted to make sure that our students were safe and, and they could enjoy the game. And then trying to make a little bit of lemonade out of lemons, you know, we went with the tents and, and I think the tents turned out fine. We got a lot of a lot of negative feedback on, on social media last week. Again, it's very temporary in nature. Um, if we see that the, the students enjoy that and, and have a good time there, then we'll look for something to do maybe more permanent in nature. And, and obviously with the night game against Arkansas, um, we probably didn't get to see the full effect of those uh, the next two weeks at 3 o'clock and 11 o'clock. You know, we'll see if the students actually utilize those. But that's kind of how it all ended up. That's as transparent as I can be. And, um, you know, again, sometimes if you're trying to be creative and proactive, you swing and you miss, but you got to get back up there and, and do it again. So that's where we stood with it. You mentioned how the tents are temporary. If they do work out, if the fans do enjoy having that area to where they can charge their phones, watch some TVs, be in the shade for any length of time, could there be a revisiting of the party decks themselves to where structurally they make sense? It might be having to do something new to Vaught Hemingway Stadium. I don't know. I don't know what goes into that, but could there be something as far as getting back to those party decks? Because they look good. I think you got universal praise when you release the renderings. No question, and, and absolutely we will revisit that if, if we think that that's what students enjoy and, and will take advantage of. So I think as we as we kind of assess this over the next three or four weeks throughout the season, um, we'll have an, a full off season to really get our ducks in a row, and if there's something we want to do, again, more permanent in nature that, that supports that and allows them to socialize to me, then that's what it's about. These, these kids, they want to they come to the game. They want to have a good time, but they also want to be able to socialize. You know, They want to be able to do what they do in the Grove. They want to be able to do what they do in right field and baseball you know, those type of things. So um, we want to continue to pursue that. And certainly I think the party debt concept was a good one. Uh, we just got to make sure we do it where it's structurally safe for the students and, and they can have a good time. We don't have to worry about, you know, something bad happened, but, but we will certainly revisit that as we move forward. Future projects. What is Ole Miss working on right now? Well, the most immediate thing that we're doing is we are working on a $2 million uh, project for our, our track team to do a new locker room for them. Um, we're hopefully going to start construction on that right after the new year. Uh, you know, you think about it, we have 400 student athletes, hundred of those are in, in the track and cross country programs. So this is going to affect, you know, 25% of our student athletes. Uh, they really haven't had anything done over there except for they have a brand new track because we had to build that because of 
sinkhole issues and, and things that were happening. But as far as their amenities, not really has been not really much has been done to that facility in a long, long time. So I think that's going to be a game changer for for Connie and, and her staff, and obviously our current student athletes as we recruit new student athletes. Um, that's going to be something that's going to be really, really special. Um, you know, I think as you look into the next, you know, one to two to three years, obviously softball is one of those that's a, a priority high on, on the list. And, you know, that's something that we know we need to go over there and, and do some renovations. Uh, we talked to Mike about it, and uh, we're, we're going to do that. It's going to happen. But we've just got to figure out kind of what the timing looks like, what the funding looks like, um, and, and, and get there and do that. But those are probably the two that are that are first and foremost, you know, in our on our radar, and, and, and we'll go from there. But you know, certainly I want to be um, prudent and, and appropriate as, as the interim. You know, I don't, I don't want to do something that might hamstring a, a future AD if it's not me. Um, so we're going to be, we're going to do our due diligence, make sure the timing of everything works, but the, uh, the track project will, will get started and, and move forward. How do you make the case as the interim that you want the full-time job, but also balance actually doing the job currently? We'll get right back to interim AD Keith Carter on the Modern Woman phone line after this quick word from BNA Bank, which powers Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. I've been telling everybody, Ben, for me, I'm the way I was raised and the way I'm wired is uh, just to go to work. You know, um, you know, I'm kind of a blue collar guy. I want to, I want to work hard. I want, I want the new chancellor to come in and, and see, you know, that we've done good work. And if he sees value there, he or she sees value there that, that maybe they, they look at me and give me a chance, but I'm not going to lobby. I'm not going to, you know, use politics. That that's just not the way that I, I I do things. And so, for me, I'm going to put my head down, go to work. Let our let our good people here in the department do their work. Let our great coaches do their work, um, and be there and be supportive. And we're going to continue to raise money. We're going to continue to be as aggressive, be as aggressive as we possibly can. Um, you know, all at the same time, like I said before, not not implementing some five year strategy that you know, could hamstring somebody down the line. But, you know, in the next three to four to five months, however long this thing lasts uh, as an interim, uh, we're going to do everything we can to, to go win a bunch of games, win, win some championships, uh, build facilities, support coaches, um, you know, do the things that we can and, and, and should be doing to, you know, to take this athletic department to another level. But you obviously want it, right? Absolutely. No, I mean, this, this to me, um, you know, I feel like it's a, an opportunity um, I feel like the the last three months have have been really eye opening to me. Obviously, a learning curve and, and learning some things that uh, you know I didn't necessarily do in my previous role. A lot of the internal units that I didn't work with as closely, so it's it's been fun, you know, doing that. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is an opportunity. Obviously, a, a very interesting situation with an interim chancellor right now, and Larry's been been really good to let me kind of have some leash and, and do some work. And you know, when the new chancellor gets here, we'll we'll see how it all shakes out. But you know, I'd love to be right there and, and have an opportunity, and, and hopefully the work that uh, that we're doing now will will show when when that new person gets here. Do you keep tabs on the chancellor search? Well, I do as much as possible. Um, you know, there hasn't been a ton of information out there, and uh, I did go to a couple of the listening sessions last week over at the uh, the inn, and those were very interesting. And I think uh, a lot of interesting's people... a, a good diplomatic ad <laughs> word. It was a mess. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I went to two. I went to the staff uh, session, and then I went to the to the alumni session, basically the public session. And um, you know, I, I felt like there was a lot of uh, a lot of common things that were being said, and and you know, sometimes maybe they they stretched a little long and, and got a little long winded on some of their explanations. But I, I think ultimately, people feel like you know they want somebody that understands Ole Miss and understands Mississippi. And and you know, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that we gotta we got to get that leader. And, and I think it's, you know, taking the whole interim AD hat off as just as an alum of Ole Miss, you know, it's just such an important hire for us right now. And, and somebody that can hopefully galvanize everyone, get everybody back going in the same direction. And then, you know, I, I suspect that athletics will be a big part of, of that, you know, part of galvanizing everyone at, at some point. So uh, I would love to be a part of that, but certainly, um, you know, hiring this chancellor is a, a very important decision and, you know, I think the committee, uh, they're doing due diligence and hopefully they will they will make the right decision. I have confidence that they will. I have to ask this question because I get asked this constantly, and this is not in any particular sport, not pointing to any sport at all, just curious because I'm tired of answering it because I don't really know. So you answer it. If you had to potentially make a choice about changing coaches, can you do that? Could you make a call on a coach if you needed to? Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, Larry, Larry has basically told me that, um, you know, while I'm in this role to, to, to act as the, as the AD, you know, and I, I feel like I've been trying to do that. And, um, you know, uh, we had the, the baseball situation back in, in the spring and, um, you know, tried to, to act there as, as, as the, as the AD and would certainly do that as we move forward. But, uh, you know, it, it is a little dicey, um, you know, having a, a an interim window there and, um, you know, but I, I do think that if, if that, if it came to that and, and I don't think it's going to, I think that our coaches are, are actually doing a, a fantastic job right now. Um, but I do think I would have that, that ability and that authority. And, and I think that as long as Larry's here as the interim, he would, he would allow me to, to do that if it was needed. And you've been involved in searches before. I mean, it was you and Ross doing the Kermit search. Yeah. Um, you know, Ross was, Ross was great to let me be a, a big part of that. And, um, you know, obviously we, feel like we got that one right and, and Kermit's doing so many great things but um, you know hiring coaches is hard I mean you know and, and if you're an AD at the end of your career somebody was asking me this the other day I mean what, what are ADs judged on and, and certainly they're judged on a lot of things but to me at the end of their career it's how many good coaches did you hire you know because ultimately that's going to lead to wins and losses and revenue or no revenue and, and, and fan support or not you know so um, hiring coaches is just such a, an important part of what, what AD do, ADs do now. Um, but yes, I've had the opportunity to, to go through, you know, search or two here and there. And, um, you know, I think ADs always try to keep their short list of, of guys that, and gals that they, they notice around the country in case that day ever did come up. So, um, certainly, you know, that would be a, an interesting part of, uh, of the first year of being an AD for sure. I've been asked about this. I've heard some things, but nothing concrete. Sean Robinson isn't on the official roster. Um, I heard he's been stamped to go by the NCAA. He reclassified from 2020 to 2019, waiting on the SEC. If that's the case, how actively involved are you in that process? You know, actually very involved. Um, and, and by that, I say I don't do any of the nuts and bolts. Julie Owen and Christian Arquilla and our uh, compliance department have, have worked very hard on that throughout the last probably month and a half to two months, uh, have done a tremendous job. So they, they're the ones that actually get, get the work done. But, you know, conversations with Commissioner Sankey and William King and others uh, there at the, uh, at the SEC office, um, you know, the AD is involved in that. And certainly, you know, communicating with Coach Davis and Sean and 
uh, you know, everybody that's involved, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, that's where kind of some of the learning curve has been. I feel like I've learned more about compliance in the last three months than, than maybe I did in my first 10 years of working in the business. So um, it's been great. Julie Owen is the best. She's really, really good at her job. She understands the nuances of, of how to do things. And, and I think that, uh, you know, the Sean Robinson situation will, will ultimately end up in our favor. And, and I think that it's something that, uh, you know, you can credit our compliance department and just the due diligence that they did and, and really just sticking with it, you know, um, making sure that the, the league office had everything that they need in, in, in the timely manner. And, um, you know, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, that's going to turn out favorable for us. When should we find out? Um, anytime, any day. Um, oh, okay. And hopefully Sean will, uh, will get some good news on him and we can report that maybe this week. Ole Miss basketball recently released its SEC schedule. I've been asked about this as far as scheduling is concerned. Looking forward, not just basketball, but football. Anything in mind? Don't play Memphis anymore. <laughs> I've heard that a couple of times in yeah. the last 10 days or so. <laughs> Does you no good, Keith? Well, it's, it's one of those that I, I don't think just from a, a practical standpoint with the way our schedule looks that, that it could happen anytime soon. Um, not saying that it would never happen again, but I, I don't think it's going to happen in the next you know five to 10 years. Um, you know, football is, is, is so crazy the way that it's scheduled now. Uh, you're seeing games that are announced, you know, out to 2032, 33, 34. Um, we're working on some games out to 2037 right now, which is crazy. Um, but, but you have to get ahead of it. And with the, with the SEC mandate that we have to play, you know, one other power five school each year, um, you got to get out ahead of that and, and make sure you're getting those games on the schedule because then you start filling around those games with, 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 you know, your other guarantee games and, and, and those type of things. So um, scheduling is a big puzzle and uh, you know, making it all work is, is a, it's a fun process. It's a, it's kind of a daunting pro- process, but uh, it's been fun. And I actually was, was doing a lot of that before uh, becoming the interim AD working with, uh, with Ross and Michael uh, and coach Luke on, on scheduling and then basketball scheduling, you know, it's a little different because the coaches are a little more involved in basketball scheduling uh, a lot of times their relationships kind of, you know, weigh out and, and help you get games and those type of things. But, um, you know, there's an SEC mandate on basketball scheduling, at least on the men's side, where you have to have your, your non-conference schedule each year has to have an RPI, uh, a cumulative RPI of 150 or less, and so an average RPI. And so, you know, it puts some, puts some parameters on what you can do there from a scheduling standpoint as well. You want to make sure that you're getting some some good matchups that make sense on your, on your schedule to help you sell season tickets and those type of things. But you also have to make sure that you're staying within those RPI restrictions from the league. So uh, obviously, you know, we play Butler this year, we go to Memphis. Um, you know, we're going to look to maybe start some other power five home and homes. Um, we want to make sure in basketball that it's an attractive schedule and that people are maybe wanting to come to those November and December games, uh, you know, before SEC starts. So uh, Kermit is, is going to be aggressive in scheduling. You know, I think sometimes when you get a new coach, uh, you want to make sure you get your roster right and, and, and take care of all those things, which I think we're, those things are kind of rounding into shape. And now he's going to want to start, you know, maybe scheduling more at a national level and, and, and bringing some teams to Oxford, hopefully to play in the pavilion that will, uh, that will excite people. Well, Ben Garrett's unsolicited advice to close this out, no Memphis, no Southern Miss. That's it. Point taken. Okay. I hear you. Right. I hear you on that. And I think the Southern Miss thing too is probably, um, you know, I, 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 Jeremy McLean is a friend the new AD there. I love what Jay's doing with their program. Uh, a lot of respect for, for both of them and, and what they're doing. But I, I don't know that just that it makes sense with us, with the way that we have to kind of put our schedule together, that it would, it would work in the next few years either. But uh, I hear you, Ben. I hear what you're saying.
Yep, you know, no Memphis, no Southern Miss. He's interim Ole Miss AD Keith Carter. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Appreciate it, Ben. Talk soon. That was Ole Miss Interim Athletics Director Keith Carter joining us on the Modern Women phone line on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bennett Hip in the guest co-host chair at Bennett Hip. Before we get back to Bennett, I want to welcome in a friend of mine, a name you've heard countless times. It's John Welty, whose property, the Lamar, is under construction. And you need to know more about it. And you're tired of hearing from me. So let's talk to John. John, buddy, what's up, man? How you doing? Man, I am good. How about yourself? I'm good. It's better when Ole Miss wins because that makes my life easier. What makes living in Oxford easier is the Lamar. If I'm a prospective buyer, if I'm listening right now, and you've yep. got to pitch me on the Lamar and why it's the only place yep. for me to live, go tell me. Well, one of the, the biggest things that separates us from other developments are going to be our architectural and building standards. Uh, and anybody that just kind of takes a walk through the development, uh, which is how we want you to go through the development is walking, not driving. Uh, you can look up and see all the design features uh, that you're not going to see any, anywhere else. Yeah, and, and a lot of times when people are looking at a house that is constructed, um, you know, with, with the utmost care and design, you're not really going to know why it looks so good. Um, but one of the, the reasons that it does is because, you know, an architect has designed that house from the ground up on each one of her lots. Um, and then that same architect, a guy out of Jackson named uh, Mike Thompson, he reviews all of the plans. He approves everything, and he is in total control of how everything gets built. Um, so it so every single lot out there uh, ends up, you know, getting built out the way that it was designed. Um, a lot of places you can go out and and you'll look at the building plans, you know, that the builders have, and then you end up comparing that to what gets built, and it's not the same thing. Um, you know, but it, you know, the, the oversight by the architect really makes a big difference. Uh, what? but one of the, the biggest, one of the biggest things that, you know, that we're offering is community. So all of the houses are designed, you know, with front porches and balconies. Um, the garages are all, you know, accessed through back alleys. You know, so when you're walking around, you're not looking at people's cars, you know, and open garage doors. Um, the streets are skinny, you know, that slows down traffic. Um, you know, pedestrians are dominant over vehicles, you know, so we want you to come in. If it's a second home, we want you to come in, park your car, uh, you know, and then not get back in it until you're leaving. Uh, cause if you're going to, you know, do you want to go up and, and get a beer at the brewery? You're just going to walk out your front door and walk up the street and you're going to be there. Um, Sunday mornings for all the sports fans out there. Uh, you know, during football season, you know, we're going to offer a shuttle so you can, you know, walk out your front door with your cooler, hop on the bus, and we're going to drop you off at the Grove. Um, and then we'll come back and get you, of course. Um, so we've got a, a lot of community features that, you know, will really be driven through the Homeowners Association uh, once we get some more residents in there. And all of that's a big deal. And one thing that when I walked through it with you that really impressed me yeah is when you look at Oxford right now, it's a mess. It's a mess to even go to the grocery store. Hell, you could be yeah. sitting there on a Wednesday afternoon looking at an empty fridge and go, God, i got to spend two and a half, three hours just to get across town, get to the grocery store, get out, get back home. And here, 
the convenience is the grocery store. You mentioned the brewery, but also game days yeah. getting picked up. That's a big deal, especially when you start to factor in what Oxford is right now. Absolutely. And and I tell you one thing that will become more prevalent as we build more houses, you know, is, is the location to Highway 7. Um, so you can pop right in off of 7 regardless of which way you're coming into town. Um, and then you can, you know, access, you know, turn right on Highway 30 right there at Molly Bar and then a left on Lamar and you're there. So if you need to go to Kroger, you need to go to Walmart, um, you know, if you need to go to the square, obviously you're, you're only a mile away. You just go straight down Lamar, then you're there. Um, you know, the location is superb. You know, it's away from all the bottlenecks that Oxford currently has. Uh, and I agree with you, you know, certain areas of town, especially on game day weekends, man, it is a mess. If I'm a person out there looking for a house, really interested in Lamar, where can I get more yep. information? How can I get in touch with you? I want to know more about it. How do I find out? The easiest way to get me is to to, to call me at 662-23-HOMES. And that's 662-234-6637. Um, and that'll ring my cell phone. But myself or any of my agents um, can help you, you know, with any, any of the residential side of the Lamar. Um, and, and keep in mind, too, we have a lot of opportunity in the town center as well. Um, you know, we've got a, a broker out of Tupelo named Clay Short with TRI, uh, who is the uh, commercial broker. You know, but we've got, you know, retail spaces available there. Um, you know, the, the first commercial building is going to be a tad bit under 45,000 square feet. You know, and obviously, you know, we'll have, you know, restaurants, retail on the, the ground floor. We're looking at doing some office suites on the second floor. Uh, on the third floor, we're going to be doing some condos. You know, the preliminary drawings on those condos, you know, we're going to have, you know, a couple one-bedroom units and some two-bedroom units. Uh, all of those, you know, having a balcony that are going to be overlooking, you know, the town center or, you know, the green space uh, directly behind that town center. Um, you know, that building we're anticipating should come online towards the end of next year. As far as the website, if I wanted to go look at some pictures just to check it out, where do I go? Honestly, the uh, if you want to check it out, call me and I'll do a FaceTime tour. There you go. So we can we we can do much better than just sending you to a website. So if anybody has has any questions or they need anything, all they need to do is call me and they're going to get some personalized service. Six six two two three homes. He's John Welty. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Go This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available on SoundCloud and anywhere should be where you find your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around. And they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. Just heard from Keith Carter. What are your thoughts on the party decks? So when they were first announced, I thought they were a really good idea. I think it's important to be creative. I think it's important to... Try new things, and Ole Miss has had an issue for the last few years getting student attendance just to come to the game, let alone stay for the entire time. This is a thing that I think makes a lot of sense. 
But obviously, when you saw the first renderings, they looked pretty good. You had the platforms, and they looked they looked good. And obviously, that concept didn't work out for safety reasons or whatever. And they go to option B. I understand that you have to kind of move on the fly and everything, but just from a visual standpoint, I think for a lot of people, you see the pictures and it's just well, that's a that's a rental tent, you know, that you would have for a spring party or something. You just put a bunch of those up and say, okay, here's your your party deck. And so I think um, I think it's a very good idea. I'm, I'm not opposed to them trying new things. I think it's really smart, but I, I thought execution wise left a lot to be desired, at least for the first run. I did appreciate that Keith straight up took ownership of it and didn't shy away from the question. Owned it. They're talking about these tents as temporary, that they'll possibly or probably reassess and look into a long-term fix, go back to the party decks later on in the future. But what they wanted to provide students, and I get it now because I was overly critical of this, but I get it now. They're wanting to provide students a place to where they can bring that atmosphere in the Grove, at least in some small part, to Vault Hemingway Stadium, what they experience in right field at baseball games. So to own right. that and acknowledge that it was not necessarily fumbled, but now let's call it that. It was fumbled. I thought it was a good step for him and one of accountability, and it's refreshing when Keith straight up owns that. Yeah, well, I think it's important to try new things. It's important to take risk. And I think this is not a flaw of idea. It's just a flaw of execution. I think if you were going to have questions for Keith and for Michael and for everyone there, I think the questions would have to be the season ended last year after the Egg Bowl. You had an entire offseason. Why not be more proactive in trying out things while the stadium was empty, seeing what works from a structure standpoint, from a safety standpoint, why not have some focus groups out there with students during the off season? What do they like? What do they want? What do they need? As opposed to you announce it in July or June or whatever they did, you take a couple of weeks for build a platform, doesn't work. And now you're scrambling to get something done for the first game. And it looked like they had a pretty good turnout under there for at least the first half of the game. It's definitely not a bad thing that they tried it. Trying new things is good, but just there's I think there's a lot left to be desired from a planning standpoint and um, obviously visual execution so far. We can't get out of here before I tell you about Chinese Pharmacy, the only place to go if you're an Ole Miss fan for your pharmaceutical needs. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. At Cheney's, Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Another piece of news from that interview with Keith Carter, Sean Robinson. If you missed the news yesterday, Sean Robinson has been cleared to practice. He's actually worked out the last two days. He's been added to the official roster. But as far as I know from talking to Keith Carter and other people involved, 
The NCAA rubber stamped him pretty early, still waiting on the SEC, expecting good news. He's going to be full-on cleared. He's pretty much already cleared. He's been cleared for practice, but you heard how actively involved Keith was in that process. We actually did that interview on Tuesday, so that was before news came down about Sean having been cleared for practice. He's certainly a significant addition, but I don't want Ole Miss fans out there to have these huge expectations for him. I know Ole Miss, more than anything, was desperate to get him on campus, not so he could play 15 to 20 minutes a game, so much as they wanted to get him in a college strength and conditioning program. They want to change his body. They think he's an NBA player, but this is not the season in which they're going to have to over-rely on Sean Robinson. Quite frankly, if he redshirts, he redshirts. But if he gives them starter minutes, if he's that good, and he could be, that's a bonus. They wanted to get him with Riley Allen, let him change his body, add to it. He's 6'10", listed at 210. He's got some bulk to add to that frame. So temper your expectations, but they love the player. They wanted him on campus. And it's a good thing if they don't have to rely on Sean Robinson this year. That means that their 11-deep roster right now was good enough. And I think that's kind of where they are. Right. It's all about trying to get him in the program, get him in shape, whether he can play now, play next year. He's going to be a player. Uh, and I think it also it's, it's really helpful from a recruiting standpoint for them getting him in because he's done. They don't have to trek out to Arizona every few weeks or whatever during the evaluation period to go make sure that he's still locked in. Um, it allows them to go spend their resources elsewhere in terms of time and visits and plane flights. You know, They were up in Huntington this week for A.J. Hoggard and Jamin Brakefield. It frees them up to go do more stuff on the recruiting trail, too. Um, now that Sean's in the fold and he's not still out there as a high school recruitable athlete. So I, I think it's really a lot of benefits for Ole Miss. Just got to cross the T's, dot the I's. Ole Miss has one scholarship to give, but as always with recruiting, numbers always work themselves out. Remember that as they move forward. They were on the road recruiting this week. Kermit and Ronnie Hamilton, a number of others on the road yesterday. A.J. Hoggard's obviously a big deal. Currently a 100% crystal ball projection in Michigan State. Take those with a grain of salt. I think Ole Miss is a real player there. Certainly a real player for Jamin Brakefield, who recently tripped to Auburn. I don't know if we should put too much stock into that or not, but Jamin's going to enjoy the process. Still, Ole Miss would not trade its place with anybody else as far as pursuing that player, a four-star or five-star, depending on the service that you pay attention to. All right, the weekend in college football, it's not a great one. I look across the board. I'm trying to find an intriguing matchup. Maybe Alabama at South Carolina, but South Carolina's bad. I, I don't know which game I think is interesting right now. The one I'll probably pay attention to most just from an entertainment standpoint is Iowa-Iowa State. I know game day is going to be there. Iowa's, they're good. Iowa State's Matt Campbell's a good football coach. So that's probably the best game, just rivalry aspect, everything else. Outside of that, it's really hard to find a game that's really going to catch my attention. I know there's a, some hope that Clemson-Syracuse might be entertaining, but Syracuse got destroyed by Maryland last week. So that's not going to look like a competitive game. So it's it's one of those weeks in college football where – and there's usually one every year where there's not – you look at the schedule and you say, oh, this is going to be a really bad week. And then you wake up on Sunday and there's two or three upsets and two or three almost upsets and it just kind of goes crazy. And that's typically how college football works. So hard to pick those out beforehand. But if it's anything like last year during this kind of same week of, of games, things have the potential to go kind of nuts. That one game to pay attention to, USC at BYU. That'd be a fun one. USC got a big win last week over True Stanford. freshman quarterback. Quarterback looked good. Clay Helton's still fighting for his job. 
they just made the AD move out there. BYU is interesting. You know, they got kind of smashed by Utah week one, um, but their quarterback's fun. Zach Wilson, he's he's really fun. The Mormon Manziel or whatever. Big win for them against Tennessee. I don't know that they could win that one, but BYU can definitely make it interesting. They're very physical, explosive in the passing game. So that'd be a fun one for sure. Can I sell you on Florida at Kentucky? If Terry Wilson was healthy, you could. Um, with Kentucky going to a backup quarterback, I don't know that there's enough there outside of him to make to give them a game. I think Florida's too good. If they had been had a healthy quarterback, I think that's one where it gets a little weird maybe toward the end with how good that defense is for Kentucky. But I think Florida wins that one pretty comfortably now. Can I sell you on Florida State at Virginia? It seems like Willie Taggart's just you can done. You can sell me on tuning in and seeing if it's possible to see Florida State lose to Virginia. Sure. It just looks like it's not going to work. And it seemed like a really perfect fit. I know that's his dream job from a coaching standpoint. They've got some talent. Cam Akers has looked really good the last couple of weeks. He single-handedly basically kept them from losing to ULM last week. But it's just not working. And uh, Virginia's better. Bronco Mendenhall is a good coach, and I think if they were to somehow lose this game, I think Florida State has to start having some really tough conversations about Willie Taggart and about the rest of this season and where they go. Because if they lose that game, they missed extra point from being on the road to 0-3. So I'll definitely that one might be one that you turn on late third quarter, early fourth quarter if it's a one-score game just to see um, the implosion. Man, the shine is off of Chip Kelly, but can I sell you on Oklahoma at UCLA? I don't think it's going to be close, but I don't know what it is. Just I like watching this Oklahoma offense, and I like seeing what Lincoln Riley has done. It's a different kind of quarterback than he's had. The Jalen Hurts is not Baker Mayfield. He's not Kyler Murray. But if you watch that Oklahoma-Houston game, Jalen Hurts looked really good and looked like a perfect fit. And they've tailored that offense around him to run the football and be explosive. And so uh, that's one where you probably tune in for about the first half because it's going to get out of hand pretty quick. But I really like that offense. I'm kind of fascinated to see what Jalen Hurts does over a full season in Oklahoma. And I think we're getting to a point where if we get to December and Oklahoma's 10 and 2, 11 and 1, and Jalen Hurts is an all Big 12 quarterback, I think we're getting to a point where Lincoln Riley is sort of a quarterback whisperer for transfer quarterbacks. And I think we kind of have a bigger discussion on does he go to the NFL and and go find a quarterback there and, and do stuff there. I'll tune in for a little bit. I really like that offense. I like next weekend, Auburn at Texas A&M. You've got Michigan and Wisconsin. You got Kentucky at state, which could be a sneaky good game. You got South Carolina and Missouri. I'm ready to see if Missouri's for real or not. Kelly Bryant looked great last week. And of course, Ole Miss Cal. We'll learn a lot more about Ole Miss after that Cal game. Vanderbilt is hosting LSU. LSU looks like the number two team in the SEC right now. But there are a number of intriguing games next week. But this weekend, I'm with you. It happens every year. Oh, this is a terrible weekend in college football. (laughs) And then there are like two or three games that you think, man, those were really fun. Yeah, so I think it'll be one of those. Iowa State, like I said, just from an atmosphere standpoint, will be fun. I think it's a 3 o'clock game on Saturday, so that'll be a fun one to watch. But, yeah, I think we'll just get by this week, and the slate for next week looks really good. And there's always that one week where the schedules just don't work out for whatever reason. But um, it's it's good to have college football back, and, and a bad week of college football is still better than most stuff. So 
do we see one or both of John Rice Plumley and Grant Tisdale this weekend against Selah? I would be shocked if you didn't see at least one. My guess is just one. I'd probably say Tisdale, but it depends. I think I would like to see both just from an entertainment standpoint, evaluation standpoint. I would love to see both. Uh, I don't know if they're going to try and split those guys' games up a little bit or if they want to use one of their four for this one. So um, definitely one and potentially two, and I'd like it to be two just for me personally to have something to, to watch in the second half. These are the games in which you have to get those players in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is it. If you're gonna if you're gonna stick to the four game rule and and redshirt them, and I think it's a tough line to balance because even if you think this is a game that Ole Miss wins by a large margin and it should be, you're still wanting to get Matt Corral game reps. I mean, he still needs game reps. It doesn't mean you play him the whole game, obviously, but uh, I do think you kind of have to find the line where you play him enough. You don't want to get him hurt. But you don't want to play him five series or whatever. And if you're up 35 nothing before halftime, I don't think you pull him just yet because he needs experience and he needs reads and, and reps. And let's go down this road and think that Ole Miss is going to win by a large margin. I'm interested to see when they pull the plug on him and then obviously who they go to after that and how long they how long they play him. You treat it like the NFL treats the third preseason game. That's when you give your starters a true run and see what you got. Watch the full 53-man come together. Same thing here. Let Matt Corral go into the third quarter. But after that, as long as Ole Miss is ahead like it should be ahead, John Rice Plumley, Grant Tisdale, they both need to see time. And Jerion Ely needs to feast this weekend. Yeah, I think that they really did a good job working him into the game plan against Arkansas. I thought that against Memphis, they just they mixed him in a little bit, but it just seemed kind of forced. Against Arkansas, I thought that was much less forced. He was getting targets in the passing game. They're running him well. So I think they're I think they're starting to figure out the best ways to use him and to maximize all that talent they have in that backfield. So definitely um, like to see him do well. And I think if you're Ole Miss, whether it's Mingo or Dontario Drummond, I think you'd feel really good about coming out of that game with a big game from number one or, or from Drummond going into the rest of that schedule into the Cal game. So you would like to see one of those other receivers have a big day as well. He's been at Hip. I'm Ben Garrett. This has been Talk of Champions. If you haven't already subscribed at Review Talk of Champions in iTunes, you can say whatever you want. You can call me the biggest asshole you've ever known. As long as it's a five-star review, I don't care. Just make it a five-star <laughs> review. Go to the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a food of 247 Sports. Thank you, Ben, and I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.